getting settled in. Okay. Shall we all rise to our feet and pray before we get started? Father in heaven, we thank you that you are with us again today. We thank you, Lord, that we have this word of God that we can open up. And Lord, it is the word of God. We believe it. It sheds light on our path. Lord, thank you that it never changes. Lord, everything around us is changing and changing so fast. But Lord, we ask that you would help us that we could be steadfast unto the end. Lord, I would ask that this time that we spend here these days, uh, day by day, opening up the word of God and looking at your word and singing and opening ourselves to you, and you speaking to our hearts, we ask that it would have an effect. It would be life-changing. It would, uh, it would help us to make decisions that we can end up where you want us to be, and that's with you. Lord, I would ask that you would guide my thoughts, help me to convey the burden that you've given me. We ask that you would, by Holy Spirit, Speak to hearts here, convict and direct and guide this time. Thank you for your presence here in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Today we'd like to speak on the character Mary, the mother of Jesus. I know many times when we speak about characters, it's guy characters, and, and <clears throat> when we do that, you girls sit here and you learn from that, right? You learn from the guy characters, and so today when we look at a lady character, you guys can learn from that as well. Uh, Let's open our hearts together with all that. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus, a man who never sinned. Imagine that with me. The mother of a child who never sinned. Mary, the mother of a son whose name was Jesus, whom... She was the chosen one to carry this little baby around. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who gave him his first bites of food. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who changed Jesus' diapers. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who saw him take his first steps, watched him crawl. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who watched him play with his siblings and with the neighbor children. 
Mary, the mother of Jesus, who watched him grow up to be a youth and to interact with others, a sinless man. The mother of a sinless man. Isn't that something? The mother of a sinless man. And yet making mistakes herself, I'm sure. And yet she was chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus, a man who never sinned. He never, Jesus, never had a sinful nature. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who didn't have those strong urges of sin that we do. Let me explain that. Jesus had the ability to sin, but Jesus, growing up, was like Adam was before the fall. Fully man. Fully man. The ability to sin, and yet not having the sinful nature. Let me describe it this way. All of us have a sinful nature here. We all do. My, my little four-year-old, uh, I have to keep my eyes on him. Because guess what happens? He's playing with his big brother Andre. And the first thing I know, he wants that bigger tractor because uh, he wants it. Uh, just because Andre's playing with it, he wants it for himself. And, you know, I've taught him that you don't hit, hit Andre. And you don't, you know, you're kind, but, but those, those sinful actions just come out of him. Right? Because there's, there's a sinful nature there. Jesus grew up not having a sinful nature. Jesus grew up like Adam did before the fall. I could describe it this way. And I don't know how many here have ever had the habit of smoking cigarettes. There might be a couple, hopefully not too many. But there are a couple. There's a couple here who had the habit of smoking cigarettes. And you know what happens when you smoke a cigarette? And you, you, know, you, know, you become addicted to that cigarette, that nicotine. And so I'm working and I get this crave, and, and I, I get all jittery, and, 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 and there's something in me. I, I have to light up that, that next cigarette. There's a drive in me, and there's, a, you know, there's, a, there's something within me that drives me for that next cigarette. I, can't, I almost can't handle it without. That's how the sinful nature is. We have a sinful nature that came because of the fall of man. And Jesus, Scripture calls Jesus the second Adam. He was a man who grew up and had no sin. If Jesus would have had the sinful nature, he could not have gone and died for our sin. Because if he would have had the sinful nature, he would not have been able to give his life for us. But because 
the presence of the Almighty God hovered over Mary, Mary the mother of Jesus, and what, what became? She became pregnant from God Almighty. That thing that came down was from God. And there was a pure holy nature there. She conceived it was from God. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, the mother of Almighty God, and the prophecy said, he's going he's gonna to be king over Israel forever. He's going to be the king. Mary looked for that kingdom, and I'm sure she was disappointed at the end of Jesus' life when he was crucified and he went to the grave, and I'm sure she stood there and wondering what is going to happen. Didn't I hear right? Didn't I hear that angel right when he said he's going to be king? Because she didn't understand. She didn't understand what all was going to unfold in the days to come and in the years to come. He is king over all today, isn't he? Right? King over all. King of Israel. King of the Jews. I'd like to just look at a couple of the prophecies very quickly. It says here that thou art highly favored. <laughs> the angel came and said, thou art highly Favored. And it says, The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Can you imagine that angel? It says that it, the angel came in unto her. And it gives a picture of Mary being in her house, and all of a sudden there was an angel there. And it says that she feared. And in fact, when he greeted her, Mary. Uh, but the angel said, fear not. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. I'm sure you'd be afraid if there was an angel standing there. My mom's brother, one Sunday morning, walked out on the porch. He walked out to a tree all of a sudden, there's an angel standing there looking at him. And he looked, he looked. Fear filled his heart. He was a young man. He quickly turned in. He ran back inside the house to tell mom and dad. And he came out. He was gone. An angel, the presence of God. God is there. Mary, the mother of Jesus. <clears throat> it says, thou art highly favored. It says, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Thou hast found favor with God. What does it mean, thou hast found favor? You know what it means to find favor? It reminds me, um, back in Holmes County, uh, some years ago, 
There's a church that's called Peniel. And in, in this church, there was some youth. And there's specifically one lady. She was a pleasant lady. This lady loved God. This lady was pure. This lady was discreet. This lady was a keeper at home and she loved children and she loved her parents and she was chaste. And this lady, there was a man who looked at this lady and asked her favor of her friendship. That was me. That's my, that my wife. <laughs> she found favor in my eyes. She, she found favor in my eyes, okay? I looked at her, and I saw these qualities, and she found favor in my sight. <clears throat> I'd like to just read here in Luke. If you want to turn there with me, I want to just read a number of verses here. Luke chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. <clears throat> to a virgin espoused, espoused means promised, <clears throat> espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Much more than just me. She found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb Bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. These words, in, in Mary's mind, she very quickly put this to rising up on a throne like King David and King Solomon and be a mighty ruler. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Now look at Mary's response. And Mary said... 
Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. She said, Behold, here I am. I'm available. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And just drop down to verse 46. It says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of, of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. I'd like to ask the question, why is it that God chose Mary? Out of all the women of Israel, why did God choose Mary? It doesn't tell us a whole lot of detail about that. But I'd like to suggest that one of the primary reasons is because Mary... Mary was fulfilling and doing all the teachings of the law of what was instructed for her to do. Um, First Peter says it this way, For after this manner in holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves. She was one of those holy women of old who adorned themselves. And God looked down and he saw certain things in Mary that he, uh, that he said, she is, she's a woman. She's a woman who is going to fulfill and do the things that I ask of her. She's one of those faithful ones. <clears throat> now, with all that, I would like to suggest that uh, if we go into the teaching of the Old Testament and the teachings in, in the new, all the things that are instructions to ladies, Mary was a complete fulfillment of all that. Or well, not a fulfillment, but she was an expression. Mary was an expression of the things of how a godly woman ought to be. Mary was an expression of that. So if we, if we look in the scriptures of First. Timothy and First Peter, and, and, and we look at, at uh, Sarah, the wife of Abraham. Uh, she's, she's also referred to as, as one of those who was a godly woman, you know, an expression of being under her husband. And we look at all these scriptures. Mary was very clearly an expression of the godly character that is looked to... Uh, that God was looking for. She was an expression of that. And so with that, I would like to specifically uh, look at New Testament scriptures. Now, I, uh, I'd like to look at New Testament scriptures of what God is asking of ladies, of sisters, what he's looking for in their character. And i like to suggest that Mary was a complete expression of all those directives that are given uh, for you sisters. And young men, this isn't just for the sisters. 
you open your ears very wide because a lot of these things sort of uh, come right in there where, where you can have your heart pricked as well. Uh, but I like to look at these, at these principles as we go down through here. First Peter in, verse, in chapter 3 in verse 5 says these words, For after this manner in the old time the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says these words, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, I like to spend most of my time here in Titus chapter 2, and I'd simply like to go down through here point by point and look at the character that was very obvious in Mary, the mother of Jesus. These virtues were just flowing out of her life, or God would not have chosen her to be the mother of Jesus. <clears throat> I, I don't know, I have a, I'm not sure how to say this um, to all of you um, young men and young, young sisters. I'm not sure how to say this. But I, I would like to somehow just, just tell you that the things that I'm going to be talking about here to the sisters um, I have a burden for, for you uh, men and ladies that somehow you would grasp a hold of personal, <laughs> personal uh, values, personal goals of what ought to be in a home, ought to be in a godly marriage, ought to be in place... Uh, when you come together, when you get married, uh, I don't know who all the Lord's going to call to get married here, but I'm sure that many of you will get married, maybe not all. But unless you all get a hold of godly values and godly goals, and then children come up out of there in, a, in solid homes, if that doesn't happen, the chances for your posterity, for your children to grow up and be godly is at a minimal level. I don't know if you connect with that. Do you, do you follow what I'm trying to say? If, if, if you don't get a hold of some of these principles that are there, that I'm going to speak to you ladies here today, if you don't get a hold of these, then your marriage will suffer. And if your marriage suffers, then your children will grow up and they'll be dysfunctional and their chances for them to turn out well in the future is very minimal. If you can get my heart with that. And I'm not sure how to communicate all that. 
And so that's the level of concern. When, I, you know, when we're looking at these things, that's the level of concern. Uh, you, were, you were looking way beyond just today. You know, our goal is to help you get a hold of some of these things so that on down the road, it can, these can be values that you can have. Uh, you know, as you see, well, I'm lacking in this area. How can I find the grace of God to change so that I can have these virtues in my life? Because if you enter marriage in that way and children come up, there can be a functional home that can be such a great blessing. So I'd like to just lift that up. That's why we're talking about them. We're looking way beyond just here today. We're saying in another 10 or 15 years from now, if the Lord grants you a partner and you have children and you can have some of these virtues in your heart and, and you're strong in God and, you know, and there's a strong home, a place for children to grow up and because it's God's will that the gospel goes way beyond just today. <laughs> our, our desire is that, that there could be another uh, 20 generations, <laughs> if the Lord tarries, that would be faithful to God. <clears throat> okay. Now, I'd like to start here. Titus chapter 2, when it talks to the young women, the first thing that it mentions is to be sober. To be sober. Now, let me just tell you, sisters, I really enjoy uh, hearing the jabber of, of, of ladies, okay? Uh, you know, we, on, the, on the way out to Iowa here, we were driving down the road, and, and us guys were talking some, and, and guess what? There's some, you know, going in the back. <laughs> uh, and if we're talking about being sober, that's not what he's talking about, okay? <laughs> sobriety, sobriety is uh, being in control of ourself. Uh, sobriety uh, is when we are not out of control. And I like to suggest that um, uh, the, the times that we're more apt to get out of control... Now, I don't know if you can relate to, uh, with this, but uh, sometimes when, when uh, there's a, a bunch of youth together, not just our own family, but you know, a bunch of youth together, and, and maybe the hour's getting a little bit late at night, and we're getting a little bit tired, and there's this tendency when we're getting a little bit tired, to, to, it sort of winds out a little bit, Right? And there's this tendency for things to get sort of uh, almost out of control. <laughs> and and I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what all you ladies do. But you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Okay, soberness is when we don't allow things to get out of control. We're in control of the situation. Uh, and I'll just tell you a little story. This is a man's story because I'm a, you know, I'm a man. I'm not a lady. But I remember back. I remember back when I was a youth, and I remember uh, us guys were together, and you know the hour got late, and we, you know how some of, uh, you know some people do sometimes, you know things just sort of lead from one thing to the other, and 
And the first thing that, uh, uh, that I find myself is, as myself and a couple others were, uh, were scratching around on, on, on someone from church's uh, siding on the roof, try to scare them a little bit. Now, you know, is that sinful? No, no, probably not. But, uh, but is that really godliness or is it that in control or is, you know, uh, you know, I look at, you know, at, at, at what I did you know, with all that and I just think, I scratch my head and like, why did I ever do that, you know? And that was just foolishness. <laughs> you know, I just wasn't very, uh, you know, I wasn't in control of myself. And you know, and when we're talking about sobriety, sobriety is not walking around with a long face. Sobriety is being in control of ourself and not winding out that all of a sudden things are just out of control and you know, things are just out there. Sobriety. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was obviously a woman of sobriety. I'm sure she was a pleasant, happy, jolly person. But she was in control of herself. She didn't allow things to just unwind out of control. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Okay, here's another one. Here's the next one. It simply says, and this is Titus 2, verse 4. It says, to be sober and to love their husbands. To love their husbands. I'd like to just uh, talk about this and this a bit. Um, and obviously, you're single here today, but let me give you some good things to think about. <clears throat> There's this thing about just falling in love and falling back out of love again. Okay? Uh, and it's, it's shameful. Uh, in today's society, there are so many ladies, sisters on the workplace. And so there's guys and ladies working together and married ladies working with other married men. And guess what they do? They interact all day long. They interact. And guess what happens? As they as they uh, communicate and talk, so many, many, many times, all of a sudden, a man finds himself starting to talk with another woman. And, and, and they talk and they share, and the first thing they know, they're, quote, falling in love with someone outside of their spouse because their emotions and their feelings are allowed to just do whatever it happens. And they fall in love. And while they're falling in love, at home, they have their spouse and they're falling out of love at home. Do you follow what I'm saying? So this thing of loving our own husbands, it is something that we specifically make a choice to do And we specifically make a choice for it to stay there. And that's why it's so detrimental for women to be on the workplace today. And I like to talk about that a little bit more in uh, in the message here. It's very detrimental, some of the things that happen. 
But I would like to suggest to you that our feelings and emotions and our feelings of love need to be placed wherever, you know, we choose where to place them rather than it just be something that just happens. In our marriage with my wife and I, we could have easily fallen out of love already. because of busyness of life. But we specifically have chosen that we won't. And so we specifically choose to stay connected. And what a blessing that is. It continues to grow. It continues to mature. But here it says, to love their own husbands. I'd like for us to consider why is it that there's so much divorce? Isn't that the reason? Because people allow themselves to fall in and out of love. Isn't it also the reason because there is no commitment? I, I'm very, I, I, I want to talk to you about this. I really do. Um, I am shocked. I am shocked. In, in the whole Anabaptist realm and the people we fellowship with, I am shocked at how society is infiltrating us as a church. Uh, can you believe it that I have, I have sat down with a man in our church, or it used to be in our church. They're no longer in our church today, but while they were In our church, I sat and I talked and I counseled with this brother. And I shared with him the word of God. And he said, Mark, he said, I know the Bible says what it does. I know that. And I realized that I can't be a Christian if I just walk away from my wife. But he said, I cannot live with my wife anymore. I can't do that. Just imagine that, okay? I'd like to suggest that 100 years ago, there might have been problems there, pretty big problems, but to walk away from your spouse would not have been an option because divorce was very much frowned upon. Do you follow? Why is it an option today? When they got married 10 years before that, that would have not been an option at all. I'd like to just put it out there that the world's thinking is infiltrating the church. It's infiltrating the church. And unless we are rooted in in these convictions and we know this is what the Bible says, and if the Bible says it, that's what we're going to do. And somehow God's going to work it all out. I don't know how, but somehow he will. Right? Right? Love their own husbands. <clears throat> I really believe, and, and by the way, I had a woman tell me that of uh, the same thing. Um, I'd like for us to just consider 
the world's thinking is infiltrating the church. God forbid. Okay, here's another one. Uh, Mary, oh, by the way, on this issue of, of, of loving their husbands, I am sure Mary, Mary was one of those that it was at the top of her list, right? Mary, Mary the mother of Jesus, this was at the top of her list. It was really high up here. This is Mary. Here's another one. Mary, the mother of Jesus, I'm sure she loved their children. Uh, to love children is not just a trait that, that comes naturally. For some people it's natural or more natural than others. But I'd like to suggest that right here it's a directive and it says to love their children. I, I love to come to church and watch after church. There's children, <clears throat> there's, there, there's certain people in church who after church, in, yeah, the children just sort of congregate around them. Now, why do you think that is? I think it's because they have a special love in their hearts. And I think Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a complete expression of loving her children. There was a, an expression there of loving her children. <clears throat> Excuse me, here's another one. I need to move on quickly here. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary was also discreet. Discreet. Discreet means to be sound in mind, to be sane in one's senses, to be curbing one's desires and impulses, to be self-controlled. <clears throat> I'd like to just put out a couple things here that in your, in your age frame tends to happen pretty quickly. Uh, it says to be discreet. Is it discreet for a sister or for a girl to tell another girl, hey, I like that boy. I really like his his uh, uh, his hair, and you know he has you know a couple of brown pimples, and 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 he has one dimple that I really like. You know I really like him. Uh, and but don't tell anyone. And guess what? Uh, two weeks later, there's another girl that finds out, and then three weeks later, guess what happens? Uh, the sister of the boy hears about it, and then the boy hears about it. Do you think that's discreet? <laughs> Do you think it is? No, I don't think so. Okay. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was discreet. Uh, she, she would have never done anything like that. Uh, I'd like to suggest that there's a lot of those... In, and by the way, that's not just for you girls. Did you hear that, guys? Did you hear that? Yeah? Okay. <clears throat> uh, I'd like to suggest that Mary, the mother of Jesus, knew where her boundaries are. 
Those types, there are, there are things that you discuss and things that you don't discuss. Those types of things are things to discuss with mom and dad, not with other youth. It's not this boyfriend-girlfriend teasing thing. That's, that, that's destructive. That's not being discreet. It's not being discreet. <clears throat> but I, I know how easy it happens. I was a youth one day, too. And guess what? I've got a couple youth. I know how easy some of those things happen. Lord, help us to be discreet. Those things can be very, very hurtful. And that's not the only thing. There's many, many things. We need wisdom, sisters. We need wisdom. Uh, There's a lot of you know, we're naturally, you know, we like to talk and we like to share and, you know, we have good friends and we have close friends. But we need to know where our boundaries are and we need to be discreet and careful. Here's another one. <clears throat> chaste. Mary was a chaste sister. Mary was chaste. Mary was pure. Mary was a virgin. I'd like to just tell you something uh, that happened. When I was about 18, 19 years old, I was working in a pretty big factory. <clears throat> and one day, you know, there's guys from various churches where uh, um, they were, I worked with them, and one, one Monday, Monday, I'm not sure what day of the week it was, one time one of the other fellows came around and he had this story to tell. And I almost could not believe my ears. My ears burned. <clears throat> he had this little story to tell. He said, we as youth were together and I don't know what game they were playing. I don't know what was going on. But somehow in the middle of all this, there's a, go- there's a girl that was known to be flirtatious. There was a girl that was known to be uh, boy crazy. There was a girl that was known to be out of her place. But in this youth gathering that they had, she literally, I don't know how it happened, but she got a hold of a boy's undergarment, and she pulled it up. And I'm just trying to make a graphic illustration. That happened in a youth gathering in a Mennonite church. Okay? And I'm saying that to say that Mary was a chaste lady. And what happened there was way out of order. Okay, but I'd like for us to consider a form of that type of thing in a very mild form. Okay, I'm just sure that none of you would ever do anything like that. Okay, okay, but but that was that was a type of thing that was just way out. Okay, but consider with me, sisters, the way that we approach a young man. 
and the respect that we have for, for other guys and ladies, how do we conduct ourselves? Do you follow what I'm saying? Maybe there's some things that we do sometimes that are just a little bit out of order. And we never do that. I know you wouldn't, okay? You know, I know you never do that. Okay? But maybe there's some other things. And even as we're speaking, maybe the Lord prompts you and reminds you of something that you did that was a little bit improper. It wasn't chaste. Do you follow what I'm saying? Chaste. Chaste means pure. Pure from carnality. Modest. Pure from fault. Clean. Oh, that's what we want. Mary was chaste. Mary was a chaste woman. Chaste in many, many areas, in the way we cover our body, in the way, you know, in the way we relate, in the things we do, in the way we, uh, you know, everything from, uh, you know, there's, I'd like to just just suggest that uh, there's a lot of, in these days, there's a lot of hugging between guys and girls that is not chaste. I'm not talking about in an immediate family. I'm not talking about family. I'm talking about in a church between youth. In a lot of places, guys, uh, even simple things like high five. I'm not sure how proper that is. Handshake is good, but uh, uh, I, I walk into many places and it's so common for a guy to come around, oh, you know, and, 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 and give a girl a, well, it's a sideways hug, but is that chaste? I'd like to ask the question, is it chaste? I, I, I don't think so. Uh, see, chaste means, this is what chaste means. <clears throat> chaste means... Pure from carnality. I think there's a bunch of carnality and feelings involved when those things happen. (laughs) Pure from carnality, chaste, modest, pure from every fault, immaculate, clean. It's chaste. Consider, maybe there's other things. Those are just a couple. But I like to just say that those types of things really <laughs> break down proper reserves. There can be, I wasn't in, the discu- in your discussions this morning, and uh, you might have covered all this. <clears throat> but there's a proper way to, in a, in, a, in a group setting, be talking to a boy or a girl, or even, even meet each other and talk a little bit. There can be uh, a proper way of doing some of those things, and, and some of those things can be, uh, you know, we don't need to just be afraid of, of each other. We, you know, that's not what I'm trying to, to say. But I'm talking about a proper reserve between boys and girls. 
chaste in a pure, godly fashion. <clears throat> Here's another one. Keepers at home. I'm sure Mary was a full expression of being a keeper at home. <clears throat> a keeper at home is someone who cares for the house. It's a keeper of the house. It's someone who takes care of, of the household affairs at home. Consider with me, today there are a lot of sisters getting married who hate cooking. There's a lot of sisters getting married who hate cleaning. There's a lot of sisters getting married who hate sewing. There's a lot of sisters getting married who hate being cooped up in the house. There's a lot of sisters getting married who, who they, don't, you know, they don't like caring for the children. And, and I hear this. They say, I'm just happy when they go out the door and go to school. I'm happy to see them go. There's a lot of sisters who get uh, married who hate being told what to do. What kind of a, a keeper at home do you think Mary, the mother of Jesus, really was? Huh? Mary, the mother of Jesus. What kind of a mother do you think she was? Now, <clears throat> I'll tell you this, uh, sisters. I know that you might not like all of these on the same level. Um, I know that. Uh, and my wife, she, there's preferences that she has too. And her, one of her big ones is she enjoys cooking, okay? If you come to our house, you'll find that out pretty quickly. Uh, but sewing isn't necessarily a drudgery. Cleaning isn't necessarily a drudgery. Staying at home and being a keeper of the house isn't necessarily a drudgery. There are just certain things that she enjoys way better than others. But I like to suggest <clears throat> that there are sisters getting married today. And some of you might have jobs. And I'm not here saying that if you have a job that that's a wrong thing. Okay, get me right. Uh, if you're a married sister and you have children at home and you're working out, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that it is wrong. <laughs> Uh, so, and I don't, I'm not here to put anything in a box, but scripture is still what it is here. But I would like to just lift up this whole thing of becoming a keeper at home in your heart. Okay? Uh, there are some, I know, I know sisters who they have for four, five, six years before they get married... They have an office job, and they just really love that. And they never really learn to enjoy being a keeper at home. And then all of a sudden, one day, they get married. And the household duties fall on them, and they don't know how to do them. They don't know how to sew. They don't know how to cook. Well, they might be able to cook eggs like I do. Uh, I, I made myself two eggs this morning, put some salt on it. Um, you know, they might be able to do that. And they might maybe be able to make some cakes, but really, uh, 
You know, if it goes well, they might be able to bake a cake. But, uh, but do you get the picture? <laughs> okay. What I'm just proposing here is Scripture instructs us that you sisters need to be a keeper at home. And, and you fellows, I'd like to suggest that these values that we're talking about, that you need to embrace them. You might be a dad one day, and you might need to be giving direction to your family. And these are principles, these are real things that affect us and affect the way that the future generations are going to move forward. And this is a big one. This is a big one. It really is. <clears throat> I like to just simply lift this up. Mary, the mother of Jesus, enjoyed being a keeper at home because she was an expression of what a godly lady should really be. <clears throat> I'd just like to lift up. If you have a job, I'm not here to condemn you at all. But I'd like for you to consider, this is what the Bible says. <clears throat> I'd like for you to consider that if you're a mother in the home, your responsibility is at home. And you'll need to have learned to enjoy these things. And if you haven't, you'll have a drudgery of a life. And I pity you. <laughs> the more we can come to where we look at what God wants for us and embrace it. Oh, this is, this is God's plan for me. So I embrace it. I enjoy it. I love it. I give myself to it. <clears throat> Here's another one. Being obedient to their own husband. Did you ever consider where the direction came from when God wanted Jesus to be moved from Bethlehem to Egypt? Who did he go to? He went to Joseph. He didn't go to Mary. Now, God, or the, the angel came to Mary and said, Mary, you're going to have a child. This is before she was married. Now, she was promised, but they weren't together yet. But afterward, God came and said, I'm going to, I want to send you to Egypt because they're going to want to destroy Jesus. <clears throat> I'd like to just tell you, youth, and I'm, here's another one that I'm not sure how to say it, okay? But you'll just have to listen. I'd like to suggest that in our society today, there is such a high value put on how to relate. If you go to a bookstore and, and get books, 98% of the books you'll get will be on how to relate to each other. And they're good. Okay, I like them. Okay, I like them. The problem is, very few of them talk about the authority structure. Okay? Do you follow what I'm saying? Now, uh, in, in the people who have come for help in their marriage relationship, in their struggles, the majority of them, if you get the authority structure in place, the other stuff 
seemingly with a little bit of time comes together. Okay? So I would like to suggest <clears throat> to you sisters, right here it says, to be obedient to their own husbands that the word of God doesn't get blasphemed. I have seen many situations and heard this little joke fly around, okay? And, and you know what the joke is? Uh, now, the joke is the man wears the pants and his wife tells him which ones. You know what I mean? Okay. I'd like to just, just say that consider with me uh, this need to be under subjection. And, uh, brother, uh, or I, actually I talked about our relating to your fathers on Monday. I would like to just suggest that, that you exercise yourself in submitting to your father in every area. Now, at, uh, in the stage you are. Learn to su just surrender your will. Even if you don't agree, you surrender your will. And you learn to give yourself. Because there's many homes that aren't functioning right because the wife is not in subjection to her husband. Now, fellows, you heard what I said. There are some men who take advantage of that. Okay? I'd like to just tell you, don't you ever do that. Don't you ever take advantage of that. Your head is Christ once you're married. Your head is Christ. Don't you ever take advantage of, of, of your spouse. Don't ever. Your wife is called to submit herself to you. You are to listen. You're to try to understand. You're to dwell with your wife according to knowledge. But sisters, I'd like to just put this pretty high there's many churches that have problems because the sisters have not learned to submit to their husbands. In fact, maybe I'll just say it this way. There's a church that I'm aware of that they'd have brothers' meetings and the men would agree on issues and then they'd go home and at the next brother's meeting, the issues would come back up after they'd discuss it with their wives. And so they'd have to rehash it and rehash it. And finally, they decided to have brother's meetings with the wives along. And I sit there saying, what does the word of God say? Do you follow what I'm saying? Okay. <clears throat> Now, this is what um, Abraham, this is what Abraham, uh, this is what it says about Abraham. It says about Abraham that Sarah called Abraham Lord, and she feared him. Now, I, that's a pretty strong language for a wife to be scared of her husband. <laughs> okay. All right. I just say that. It uses some of those words, uh, that type of reverence 
is what it's actually referring to in submitting to a to husband. I, I, I just like to say, don't be scared. <laughs> okay, don't be scared. But there's something to it. There's an attitude. There's a reverence. There is a respecting that a lot of sisters don't have. And I like to suggest that if you don't get a hold of that, you might have a bad marriage. And you might have a chaotic home situation. Good chance. If we move away from the principles of God's word, we have trouble. I have to tell you a little story. Some time ago, I received a phone call, and there was a sister on the other end of the line, and she was excited, and she said, hey, I was, I was in your church. <clears throat> I was in your church, and she said, I was so impressed. She said, that brother... He had a children's lesson, and I, that children's lesson, that was such a good children's lesson. Uh, <clears throat> hey, do you, think, do you think that brother could come to our church and share that children's lesson in our church? Yeah. Yeah, do you think he could? And what was I supposed to say? <laughs> I told her, well, you go talk to your preachers. Wow, I came away saying, hmm, I wonder, um, I just wonder. I, you know, it, it just made me wonder, hmm, I wonder what kind of a situation that is, that a sister would call me to ask about asking a brother in our church to come uh, share a children's lesson. That's quite, quite something, It's interesting, isn't it? Obedient to their own husbands that the word of God does not get blasphemed. <clears throat> well, I'd like to just lift this whole thing up. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was an expression of all these things. <clears throat> in the New Testament, in these verses that we're looking at here, those were just breathed out in more detail. But Mary, the mother of Jesus, was the expression of godliness, an expression of godliness. And that's why God in heaven looked and chose her to be the mother of Jesus. Lord bless you all. Um, I trust it can stir in our hearts and give us some goals and ambitions and help us to Continue to move forward, continue to make choices, and continue to make decisions after godliness.